Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Get as much information as you can. And the other thing, not just because I have a course, but if you can pay for information, it helps you get farther along faster. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Welcome, Best Ever listeners. This is the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I am your host, Joe Cornwell, and today I am joined by Grant Warrington. Grant is a Florida-based investor. He has over 41 units personally and about 100 units as a general partner. He has been a construction worker in his past and is now a millionaire. He has a large social media following that he's built over the last few years. And we are going to talk about all of that and more. So thank you, Grant, for joining us today. How are you? Thanks, Joel. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to being on this show again for the second time, man. So I really appreciate you inviting me. Really excited to jump in here today. Awesome. Yeah, and we are happy to have you. I know you were on the show several years ago. A lot has changed since then. So why don't we open with that? Take us back to, I think it was 2019, if I recall. It's been several years. And what have you been doing since then? Yeah, 2019, we owned 26 units. I still had a W-2. I was working as a director of operations back then for a property management company, managed over 800 units. It was a great gig, but again, it was still in a W-2. We had just purchased our 20-unit apartment building. We found that off-market. We bought that with seller financing. I mean, it was really incredible. And then we had six single families at that point. So that's the 26 units. And then Joe Fairless had invited me to jump on back then and talk about that. And again, like you said, now, from when we started our investing, Four years later, we bought that apartment building and became millionaires. So it seemed like a forever journey, but when you look back, it was only four years to becoming a millionaire. And now today we've moved out of the Detroit, Michigan area. We live in Florida, my wife and I, and now we're up to 41 units. So that's three apartment buildings and a duplex and no W-2. So a lot has changed. Now I'm into online education. I help people do the same thing I did people that hate their jobs, want something different in life, just like I did. And now that's my main focus is really helping people that are in that space. 
Yeah, that's quite the journey. And yeah, I was going to mention you were based in Michigan, from what I recalled when we met several years ago. So I assume you moved for the better weather, so to speak. 100%, man. And the sunshine. Yeah, I'm looking out my window right now, man. Blue skies and sunshine. It's great. Yeah. I get to see some of your posts. I follow you on Instagram and I've seen some of the, the beautiful views you get to post. And that's cool that you share that. And I'm sure it's a lot better scenery than you were having in Detroit. When did you move? We moved six months ago. I said to my wife, we don't have to live here. And she said, well, what do you think? I go, why don't we move to Florida? So I called a friend that lived down here. We really didn't know much about Florida. And I said, hey, where do you live? And he said, I live in St. Pete. It's beautiful. You should move here. And I said, all right. I said, I guess we're going to go visit. So we already made the decision to move before we even came down here. And uh, <laughs> best decision we made, but that's how we operate. And that's what we've done in real estate. The same thing. Okay, I guess we're going to do it. And that, that's what we did with the move. We're like, we can always move somewhere else if we don't like it. We just needed to close that chapter of where we we're at and start a new one. Almost like break the cycle of our comfort, get out of our comfort zone, what we are used to. And just do it. And that's the best thing. And that's the best analogy for real estate investing too. It's like you just sit on the fence and get comfortable and you need to just do it. And that's what we did with the move. And it's been fantastic. Yeah, you made several good points there. I want to cover some of those. But to your point about living on the edge of your comfort zone, that's something I tell a lot of new investors. And it's how you grow as a person. It's how you grow as an investor. And a big thing for me this year was trying to say yes to more opportunities that made sense, even if it made me kind of feel a little uncomfortable, like hosting this podcast as an example. And it helps you grow. It helps you learn more and get exposed to new opportunities. So yeah, I think that's a great philosophy. As to how you are managing your portfolio, I'm going to make the assumption that most of your properties are in Michigan. Is that correct? Yeah, they all are. Okay. Awesome. So you are obviously managing them remotely. How does that work for you? So that's a great point. Obviously, that's one of the things we had to figure out, but we weren't going to let that stop us because we can figure anything out. The problem was 41 units. This is a lot of people don't understand. If we gave that away to property management, that's $40,000 in management a year. So we live off our cash flow. So my wife and I, we cash flow $10,000. That's net a month. $40,000 changes your lifestyle if we had to give that away. So we thought there's no way we can do that. We need to continue to self-manage. So my wife handles all our properties and she has for the last few years. So what she did was we hired someone locally that didn't work out. It worked out for a few months, but now my wife put a job posting on Indeed. We got specific on exactly what we were looking for and we hired off that list. We wrote it down. This is what we need in a person. And it worked out great. We found someone local there that just wants part-time work. They work from seven to 15 hours a week, depending. There's not a lot of work. We've rehabbed 39 of the 41 units now. So there's not a ton there is to do, but we need people to go boots on the ground, walk the properties, just check things out, make sure things are getting cleaned and check on rehabs and turnovers, things like that. So that's what we have. My wife manages remotely and it's worked out really well so far. That's cool to hear because I have a lot of out-of-state clients. I'm an agent here in Cincinnati, and we have mm -hmm. a lot of out-of-state clients. And I often tell them, especially when you're buying your first couple small multifamilies, it never hurts to try at least to manage them remotely. We have a lot of California, Texas, New York, out-of-country buyers. And a lot of them have a big fear when it comes to that. It's like, well, what if this happens? Or what if this? Or what if that? Well, at least when you try to manage remotely, it teaches you so many things that 
you're not going to otherwise know if you just hand the keys over to property manager and try to be completely passive. So kudos to you for doing that, making it work. Obviously, I know you had the boots on the ground experience when you were based in Michigan and you had done that for several years. So I'm sure that helped you translate those skills remotely as well. But what have your biggest challenges been in the last six months? I think it was that. I'll be honest with you here. A lot of people think this is great. And you're going to listen to this podcast and you're going to be like, oh yeah, everything's so great. There's a lot of BS that goes on behind the scenes. So I'll be honest, the biggest challenge was when that boots on the ground person we hired, when she quit, we were on a nice walk. My wife and I were down at the pier here in St. Pete. We're overlooking the water, enjoying our day and just being so proud of, look, we made it down here. And all of a sudden we got a text, hey, I'm quitting. Friday is going to be my last day or something like that. And that knocked the freaking air out of both of us. So we both sat down and we just didn't talk to each other for a few minutes. And I'm thinking, are we going to have to move home? This is our life. This is how we make our money. And it was scary. It was very scary. That was the biggest challenge I think that we had to overcome. And probably for about 20 minutes, we sat there and, and we're really just wallowing in our sorrows. And it's funny, that was probably two months ago. Just last week, my wife and I were in the same spot. And I said, listen, two months ago, remember when we were sitting here? Right there, that spot we were sitting and we thought the world was ending. I said, we need to remember this going forward. We're going to get hit with something again in the future. And we need to remember, we got over that. We're going to get over the next thing too. So as long as we can remember that, you know what? This sucks now, but we're going to get through it. That's a great lesson to learn. So that was the toughest thing we had to get over. That sucked, but we did it. Yeah, the old, this too shall pass adage there. Good and bad times will certainly pass and come and go. That's a great lesson. So I know you have had a lot of experience in managing rehabs. As you mentioned, you've turned 38 of your 41 units. Let's talk a little bit about how you found contractors over the years. Give me some good and bad experiences that you've had with that. Yeah. How to find contractors. One of the things I do, anybody can do this. If you're in your neighborhood, drive around and look for guys with ladders on their trucks, guys working on your neighbor's properties, right? That's what I did. I found one of our contractors, a guy pulled up across the street and I ran over there and, and just talked to him. And I said, Hey, do you work with property managers? That's the one thing you want to find out too, because I'm not going to hire a guy that's going to say, yeah, I'll update your kitchen for $50,000. It's not going to work for me. Right? So if I have a guy that says, yeah, I work with property managers, I know their pricing is going to be different. And that's what I look for. So that's one thing you can do. Look in your area. The other thing we do is we go to Lowe's or Sherwin-Williams and I'll ask the pro desk, hey, do you know a handyman? I'll go to Sherwin-Williams. They're a great resource. We find our apartment painters there. And I also ask them, hey, do you know any handymen? And you go in Sherwin-Williams quite a bit. You're going to get to know the manager and the people in there. And we found a ton of our contractors that way as well. Another way to do it is Nextdoor. It's an app and you just join Nextdoor and you just ask in there for local people. And we found handymen that way as well. And here's another thing I like to do too. And I just started implementing this here on our move is I create a folder in my phone and it's called Contractors Florida. This one is because I have a Contractors Michigan and you just create a folder in your phone. And when you see a painter driving down the street, you can see it on the side of his truck, painting, blah, blah, blah. Take a picture of it and put it in that folder. Now you don't need a painter probably right now, but you might one day. Same thing with plumbers, same thing with handyman. You'll be driving down the street and you'll see a picture of a truck. Take a picture of it, put it in that folder. 
And then when you need those people, you'll have a long list of people already built up. So I'm always looking for people before I need them. I made a note here on something you said and kind of to summarize your thought it is finding the appropriate type of contractor for your need. And I think that's probably one of the biggest issues I see. So I actually have a general contracting company as well. And just like you said, we do more retail work and we do a lot of very large scale projects, general contracting projects. So when people call us and they want a faucet swapped out, I tell them I could send somebody over there to swap out your vanity or whatever in your apartment building. But our cost on that is going to be so much higher than finding the right type of person for that job, which as you mentioned, in that case, maybe a handyman that's going to charge you 25 bucks an hour or whatever to go do the work, probably not markup material. So finding and pairing the right type of company or contractor or guy in a truck or gal in a truck, whatever it may be for your job is the most important part. And I think you hear all these horror stories of contractors and don't get me wrong. I've hired bad contractors. I've hired bad subcontractors. There's a lot of bad contractors out there. So I'm not defending contracting as a whole, but a big issue I see commonly is misappropriation of expectations. People want this level of work for this level of money or they call a company that does, like you mentioned, $50,000 kitchens, and they want to turn a unit for ten dollars or $15,000. they are not compatible in the way they do business. So anyway, that's a really good point. And hopefully the people listening to this can take that to heart because I think that will save a lot of headaches. Yeah. Just to jump on that too, we get our apartments painted for $400 a unit. So it's a great price, but Again, it's an apartment painter, so it's not a residential home painter. So you're going to go in there and you're going to see some things that might not be perfect, but to your point, right? You're paying $400. It's got to look good, but it's not necessarily going to be absolutely perfect. So you just got to keep that in mind. Yeah. And that's another interesting concept. We're talking about managing expectations and aligning them to your goals. That also has to be looked at through the lens of what is your property? If this is a class A one bedroom apartment and the best location that's $2,000 a month, there's going to be a whole lot different level of expectation from the tenant, your end customer there, as there would be to a $500 a month, one bedroom in a D-class neighborhood. So again, looking at the totality of that stuff and, and pairing those with the expectations and who you hire is going to help you in the long run. And another thing that I love to see too, I love this topic. So another thing I love is when I hire a contractor and I say, well, what do you want to do for pay? First of all, I don't pay them for labor up front. I just don't. I'll pay you when you show up. I might give you some money then, or we'll come up with some kind of a draw system. But I love the guy that says, just pay me when I'm done. That can float the bill that has his own money. When you find people like that, really hang on to those people and treat them well, those contractors, because those are actual real contractors. They don't need to be paid yesterday for the work they're doing today. And that's pretty valuable. No, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Especially when you're talking small dollars, if you're talking a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks, and you got to pay them up front or you got to pay a half or whatever it may be on something like that. Yeah. That's a red flag to me. And not necessarily saying they're going to do bad work, but as you mentioned, they're mismanaging their money to a point where they can't even go a couple of days without pay. That's a red flag for sure. So give me one of your, let's say, horror stories on a bad contractor. I'm sure you got several, but give me one. Well, last summer, got our brick tuck pointed. That's when I can talk about a plumbing next, but the guy did great. He did three of our apartment buildings. We had him do our duplex. He's a local guy to the Detroit area, very well known. A lot of people use him, did a great job for us. On our duplex, I don't know what the hell happened. If you go on my Instagram page, you'll see I've done some reels about it. 
I don't know. I really don't. Some of the grout lines mortar were this thick. They should be this thick. It was just a horrible job. But again, I had to talk to him about it. I didn't pay him until he fixed it to a certain degree. And then I paid it, but I ended up actually really getting screwed out of that deal because the guy said, I can't do it the way you want it. I didn't realize you wanted it done correctly. And I'm like, you've worked with me three times. I don't half-ass anything. We fix everything correctly. To the point being, I said, hey, if I posted this online, these pictures and that, and put your name on it, would you be proud of it? And he's like, absolutely not. And I said, <laughs> it was a tough situation. And he's like, I'd have to charge you more to really replace the bricks and do it the correct way. So we got to a certain degree. I'm still not happy with it, but I lost on that one. Another one, I paid a plumber. I think we were in about $10,000 on a plumber. We bought an 11 unit property. And this is a great lesson. Get your main drain line snaked in camera before you buy a building, just like with a house. Anytime you buy a house, get that main drain line, have them put a camera in there and look at it and just make sure it's okay. Because you never know. And that's going to be a huge cost. So we did that before we bought this building. Our plumber said, oh, I could get into most of them. Everything looked okay. And the owner told us, listen, every month or so, I have to snake this one unit. It's a basement unit. And here's a lesson for people. When properties are built, they're not built to snake once a month. That's wrong. There's something going on. There's something broken. You have a problem. So if you ever buy anything or are going to, and someone tells you once a year, once every few months, I have to snake it for whatever reason, there's a problem. The pipes broke. That's more than likely what it is. So that plumber said, yeah, let's try this. Let's do this. Everything looks good, but let's try these different repairs. It ended up costing like 10 grand. We still didn't fix the problem. And the plumbing kept backing up in this unit. It was a nightmare for my wife and I. We got it cameraed three more times by different plumbers. And they're telling us we can't find the problem. My wife and I are like, we will fix it if we can find it. But we just couldn't find the problem. And it was a nightmare. Finally, we prayed about it. Literally, and we sat and prayed and I just started Google searching plumbers, found a guy. He's like, I know exactly what it is just on the phone. I'll be out tomorrow and I guarantee I'll find it. He was not cheap. Here's what happened. The pipe had a belly in it, which is kind of normal. So the water sits in the belly and it's dirty water. So every time their camera went through that dirty water, they couldn't see the bottom of the pipe. So everybody that camera had said, well, there's nothing there. There's no blockage. Yeah, it goes underwater, but that's fine. That's normal. So what this guy did, ran all the water in the building and he flushed out those little low spots with clean water. So when his camera went in the clean water, you could see a zipper or a jagged broken bottom of the pipe and the toilet paper would come in. It would get stuck on it and then all the water would back up behind it and it would release and it would be gone by the time we got our camera out there. So we could never find the problem. So that's what it is. And hopefully that'll save somebody's future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cost us no, $27,000 total. Oh my goodness. Investment that, that that's plumbing. horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. I've had a few bad mains and I learned my lesson as well. So even as a general contractor, and we do all of our renovations in-house at cost. Even with that, the one thing I pay for on every property is a sewer main inspection. Unless I know I'm literally doing new build or something, tearing it down. Outside of that, I get the main scoped out. And so that's great advice for sure. So let's spend a little bit of time here on your social media. When I met you three, four years ago, I think you had just started posting a little bit about what you were doing with your investments on social media. Obviously you've blown up since then. 
I think the last time I looked, you had 20, 30,000 followers, something like that on Instagram, which is very impressive. So kudos to you for that. So tell me how you went about that and how did you grow such a following so quickly? I just started posting. That's all I did. I mean, I think 32,000 now on Instagram, 55,000 total across all platforms. I just started posting for guys like me. I just kind of enjoyed it. I liked to see people engaging with it and I liked having conversations about it. So that's why I really did it. But again, it was for guys like me that when we bought our first building, it took three months for us to figure out what kind of LVP flooring are we going to use? Are we going to use click plank glue down? What kind of paint schemes are we going to use? What kind of appliances? Because before that, I had listened to all these podcasts and people would say, you should put in dishwashers. You should put in washers and dryers in units. You should do this and that and whatever. And then when we bought our property, we we're like, oh my gosh, that's not realistic. It's a 1965 property. But until you buy it, you don't know that. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make and just document with these videos, the things we've gone through and the problems we've had to overcome to be successful and the money we've spent. So I share a lot of that too. I'm honest. I'll tell people how much money we've spent, wasted, lost, and that's what I like to share. And the one thing I did though was a year ago, I got intentional with my social media and I said, I'm going to post one reel a day. And I started that for a year. And that's really when my social media started blowing up. Now we started doing three reels a day and now we backed it down to two reels a day. But that's what we do. We do like 50 pieces of content a week wow. on social media. That's impressive. So what you're saying has definitely been a goal of mine and I've been horribly inconsistent about it. I'll go through weeks where I'm posting consistently and then I'll go a month where I'm not. So it's tough to stay consistent like the gym or anything else, right? And you said the word you intentional about it, which I like, and I think that's the right way to approach it. So when you started this a year ago, where were you at as far as followers? And I assume you had been doing some sort of inconsistent content up to that point as well. Yeah, very inconsistent. Same as you. I would do it and then I'd stop. I'd fall off. But I was at either 4,000 followers or 6,000 followers, I think, at that point a year ago. But again, I made a commitment to myself. And then over time, now I have a video editor. If you go back, I just did a reel about my first video. And if you watch that, it's funny, but it doesn't matter. Just post whatever you can. You don't have to put words. If you don't know how to put words on, it doesn't matter. Just post, get consistent and improve your image. And that means improve your camera, improve your lighting, improve your microphone. You don't have to have my set. I got a $3,000 setup. You don't have to have that. Get your iPhone and take videos with that. And that's what I did in the beginning. I would type the words on the screen, but now I have a video editor full-time. I have a social media manager, but you don't need that day one. You just got to start where you can start and then just improve over time. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.com. 
thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. If you want to do bigger and better commercial real estate deals, take your real estate capital raising efforts to new heights with syndicationattorneys.com. With more than 20 years of real estate and investing experience, syndicationattorneys.com goes beyond just creating legal documents. They educate you on ethical and legal capital raising strategies. Plus, they offer a host of free resources, including their best-selling capital raising books, numerous articles, and their popular podcast, Raise Private Money Legally. At syndicationattorneys.com, they do more so you can do more, more deals, bigger deals, and better deals. So if you want attorneys with premier experience helping syndicators and fund managers raise capital, go to syndicationattorneys.com today to schedule an appointment and unlock your maximum capital raising potential today at syndicationattorneys.com. This offer is not available to Florida residents. What is your motivation for doing this? Let's start with that and then yeah, I have a couple question. follow up. That's an awesome question because I have people ask me that all the time. How much money do you make off it? I'm like, none. And I spend probably 26000 a year on my social media. But I always tell them, listen, I know in five years, I'll be glad I didn't instead of disappointed I did do it, right? And the big thing is social capital. So I was at the airport flying a month ago or so, and a guy came up to me and he's like, hey, you're Grant Warrington. I know you. I follow you on Instagram. It's social capital. That got me on this podcast is my social media. You can't put a, a value on it. But to me, there's a lot of guys out there and I get on a lot of podcasts because of this. There's a lot of big influencers that know who I am just because of my social media. So where else could you get that? I don't know. I always tell people this. My friend and mentor has probably a hundred times more properties than I have. But he's not on social media, so you don't know him, you can't find him, and you can't interact with him. And it's disappointing, but that's just the way it is. So getting on social media, that social capital, to me, has been just huge. And I, I love doing it. I really do. Yeah, I think it gives you access to opportunities. That's the way I like to put it, because I've had the same question. People are like, you're running businesses, you got a portfolio, you got a family. Why are you posting a podcast? People ask me things like that. And I tell them a similar thing. It's like, I don't really have any direct correlated, like I'm doing this so I can do this because I want to do this. It's more of, I enjoy it. I love talking about real estate. I'm passionate about it. Same with my inconsistent social media that I do. But it is really just like you said, to meet people, to network, to grow your audience, to grow your brand. And again, I know in five or 10 years, if I stay consistent, I will have opportunities I would not have otherwise had. And that's really as simple as it is for me as well. So yeah, that's cool. Let's talk a little bit about your content specifically, because I've been following you. I see your stuff pop up all the time, especially on Instagram. And I made a note the other day when I knew we'd be talking where I saw a video, something about changing out an outlet or something, a receptacle. I don't know if you recall specifically that video. It might've been a while ago, but anyway, I was looking at this and I'm like, Okay, who doesn't know how to change an outlet out? And then I was like sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I bet most people don't know how to change an outlet. Because in my world, everybody I know knows how to change a receptacle. But when you look at the world as a whole, I bet 95% of the people watching Instagram reels probably don't know how to change receptacles. So it kind of flipped my mindset of that's genius because it actually is a bigger target than somebody who knows how to change receptacles. And hopefully that makes sense the way I broke that down. But back to the question is, who is your target audience? Who are you catering to and why? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm looking at people that own single family rentals. I guess that would be my target audience. 
because that's where I was. And my wife and I realized we bought a few single family rentals. We got up to 11 and we're like, we're just as broke as we started, if not more broke. And we had a major repair, it wiped out cash flow on one of the properties for two years. And we're like, this is just terrible. My wife's like, do you know we have to buy 50 of these to cash flow $10,000 a month? Because we had debt on everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 50? We were like, there's no way we can do that. So that's why we made the jump to small apartment buildings. So that's what I care to is people that own single families and are not sure like we were, can we own apartment buildings? Aren't those just for rich people? They're not. You can completely do it. And that's who I go after. And with that outlet, it's so easy. I tell people, just document what you're doing. We were changing outlets in the apartment building and one of them disintegrated in my hand as I'm changing it. And I'm like, this is such a fire hazard. Good thing we caught this or they're burnt and black. I'm sure you've seen those, yeah, right? That yeah, are sure. shortened out. That's why I did a video on it. I'm like, listen, if you buy any property and you've never changed the outlets, that's a fire hazard. And people don't realize that. So I've had so many people reach out to me and just be like, wow, thanks for sharing that. That goes for anybody. I have another real, it's almost at a million views. And that is about a water supply line to a refrigerator. And people don't realize this, but those are plastic water supply lines and they burst and it'll flood your whole property. I just made a reel about it. And people are like, that happened to me, $100,000 in damage. I think the highest was $250,000 in damage from that plastic water supply line. And you can get a braided metal type for like 15 bucks at Lowe's. I tell people, I'm like the FYI guy. I'm not the DIY guy. I'm not in there changing these things and doing it myself. I hire people to do that, but I'm going to show you what we did. Here's how we ripped the floor up. Here's what we put down. Here's how much I paid. And that's what I like to let people know because really your ultimate goal should be to go out and be buying more properties, not working on them. So the great question my friend asked me when I started being my own handyman was, are you creating money or are you saving money? And being in the handyman, I was saving money. And that was the wrong role that I needed to be in. Yeah. Again, a lot of good stuff there. When I look at your social media and the stuff that I see comes up from my feed often, it's simple stuff. And I mean that in a way where it reaches a, a wide audience of relatability, you know, because a lot of people who see that stuff probably don't know how to change outlets or don't know how to take up a subfloor or, or put down a new LVP here. It's a cool concept and it's kind of unique. I don't see a lot of other people making social media content that is so relatable to so many people that are following it. Thank you. So yeah, it makes sense. When I look at it and I think about it, I understand how you've had so much growth and success. Tell me a little bit about the course you offer, the education you're offering. I've seen that out there as well. So what are you doing with that? It's called the Apartment Buying Blueprint. It's apartmentbuyingblueprint.com. And that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm teaching people that own single family rentals or people that want to make the jump to apartment buildings or want to start with small apartment buildings. And when I say small, it's five to 20 units. It's really anything underneath a syndication, but five units to get that commercial loan, which is a much, much easier product than the residential. And I teach people from A to Z where to start, what to look for. I teach people how to manage themselves or how to hire a property management company and not get screwed by a property management company. Cause I know a few things about property management. So I take them all through that gauntlet, how to hire contractors. I give them our material lists, what to use, how to do rehabs, how to do turnovers. I give them our deal analyzer. We go through that, how to analyze a deal. 
So really it's just A to B. It's what I didn't have. It took me two years. I started in 2017, figuring out how to buy an apartment building. I read Joe's book. Joe's book was awesome in more syndication focus, but I just taken everything I've learned and I just crammed it into this course. And it's been really helpful for a lot of people. So I'm really excited for people like me that really needed this back then and didn't have it. Yeah, that makes total sense. And what do you think people are getting out of this in the sense of, is it more educational or is it more giving them the confidence to actually take on these deals? I hope it's both because when you're done with it, you will realize, yeah, I can completely do this. And the other cool thing is you got me to help you. So I tell people, I'm like, there's really no getting stuck in this because I'm extremely hands-on too. So that's the nice thing too. You really got me through this. I offer free coaching. I do free calls. I do all kinds of stuff because I don't want anybody getting stuck. I don't want anybody having a question that won't get answered. So that's the best thing about it, but people can do this. And I think they do realize this is completely doable. And I get a lot of people, even syndicators that I talk to that I'm friends with. It's a small community. We all know a lot of the same people. And they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to do what you do. I want some ownership. I think I'm going to buy a smaller building as well. So I'm seeing a lot of people looking at that. There's not a lot of people teaching that. There's single family houses and then there's syndication. And there's that spot right in between. It's that ownership of those small apartment buildings that not a lot of people are talking about. It made perfect sense for me because that's what I do, but there's not a lot of people in that space, which is either a good thing or a very bad thing. I don't know. I'll let you know in a couple of years. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's funny you say that. That's exactly where I've operated. And as I've scaled into some of the larger multifamilies, you know, that 20 to 50 unit space, it is a sweet spot, so to speak, because it's too big for a lot of the really small or, or solo operators, and it's too small for all the syndicators and, and large companies out there. So yeah, it's a good spot to be in. That's really cool. It sounds like a, a great product that you're doing. And I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the gurus or coaching. I mean, there's a handful of people that I would actually trust like you that actually offer real value and have been there and done it. So that's a cool option for people. So transitioning to your actual investment business, what are you guys working on today? And what are your goals? I know we're in a tough market. So what are you guys looking at today? We just moved down here. So the thought was we're going to move down here, get to know the area and buy a property. But I've transitioned to focusing on my course. I've realized having this and having this community is a full-time job. So if I'm going to serve people, I need to really dig in and do it the best way I can. So my real estate investing, like I said, that's a beautiful thing about it. We're at 41 units. We don't have to buy anymore. We will, but I really want to focus on my students and I really want to focus on this course and my content. So those are my two full-time jobs right now. Gotcha. Okay. So kind of on pause on acquisitions right now and just kind of managing and maintaining. Okay. Interesting. So for the people that you work with in your course, how long have you been doing that? 11 months. Next month will be a year. We launched it. Okay. And what transition and experience have you seen for the people that you're mentoring? I've seen a lot. The one big thing that I do is I focus on off-market apartments. So I have a webinar or a workshop I do. It's free too. Anybody can join it. And in my course, I teach them how to find them, how to find the owner's name, how to find the owner's cell phone number, call them, the script to use to talk to them. Because that's how I found two off-market apartment buildings, a 20 unit and an 11 unit. 
So I think in this market, it is a tough market, but man, if you can find an owner that owns a building and a lot of them do in these smaller apartment buildings, they've owned them forever. They're mom and pop landlords. They're not good at it. Their rents are low. They don't do a lot of maintenance. It's just the way it is. And if you can find those people that are willing to do seller financing, it's a huge market. So I teach my students to do this and they get 40 or 50 on their owner tracking list. It's pretty cool. And then walk them through negotiations and analyzing and things like that. It's been pretty rewarding. Yeah. Off market definitely has a lot of opportunities, especially when we're in this challenging market with high interest rates and low inventory. Yeah. It's great advice. You ready to transition to the best ever lightning round? Oh, of course, man. Cool. Best ever book recommendation. My best ever is how to win friends and influence people. I think if you can't treat people correctly, you aren't going to be successful in anything. So I think listening and learning how to deal with people is the number one skill. Best ever way you like to give back? Those free workshops and anything that I do like that just to help people out. I answer all my DMs, my comments. People email me questions all the time and I answer everything. I just do. And that's how I like to help people. Yeah, that's great. You and I have both been in this game similar times, and I know we had a lot of people that helped pull us up, and it's important to help the people behind us on the path. So on the deals you've done, give me the biggest mistake you've made and lesson learned. I know you covered a little bit of that, but give me a different one. I think that that plumbing repair was the biggest lesson I learned. Here's another one. This is a good one. When you buy an apartment building, you have parking lots, right? So the problem is you're smaller. So asphalt companies, we don't pour concrete, we use asphalt. Asphalt companies want to do the bigger projects during the summer. In the north, they can only work during the warm months. So with us, he kept kicking us down the road. Well, yeah, we'll get it in September. We'll get it in October. And I'm like, look, I need this repair done and I need it seal coated and striped, all the lines painted. And the guys finally said in November, I can do it in November. And I said, are you sure that you can do this in your painting and your seal coating? It's cold in Michigan. And he said, yeah, this is no problem. You're going to be fine. I think we paid him 2,700 or three grand and he seal coated it, painted the lines. It looked fantastic until about February, everything started peeling up. So one of the lessons I learned is don't let these people push you off and do your asphalt repair or concrete work in the colder months. You got to get it done and you really need to stay on them because you're just going to waste your money doing it in the colder months. I had the exact same thing happen to me. So very <laughs> relatable. That's funny you said that. Best ever general advice for the listeners. Podcasts like this, that's how I started. And just get as much information as you can. And the other thing, not just because I have a course, but if you can pay for information, it helps you get farther along faster. I mean, GoBundance, it's a men's group. I just joined Amy Porterfield's course on how to build courses in marketing, even though I have a course. So I've spent $30,000 in the last few years on educating myself, getting better so I can be better for other people. So don't be afraid to spend some money and get yourself some education in this space. No doubt. Not to necessarily promote your course or anyone else's, but it's like, yeah. if you're willing to educate yourself in a big thing I see for people who pay for some of these networking groups or mentorships, you're getting access to people and opportunities you wouldn't otherwise have. And so a lot of it isn't necessarily even the educational piece, which I'm sure is great, but 
just getting to meet other investors and other people with your mindset is a huge opportunity and in often cases is worth that cost. So obviously people got to do their own due diligence, but I couldn't agree more. And on that line of thought, where can people reach out? Where can they find out more about you or connect with you? Grant Warrington on all social medias. I'm very active on Instagram. So at Grant Warrington, there's the blue check at my name. Make sure that that's there. Follow me there. If you got a question, you can DM me there. You can click the link in my bio to get some free tools, some free gifts, or to sign up for one of my workshops. But yeah, I answer everybody on Instagram. Very active there. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes, as well as your previous episode that you were on. If people want to hear more about your backstory and where you came from. Grant, thank you so much for your time. It's been great having you. I'd love to have you back in the future. For the listeners, I hope you all took something from this show. I know I did. If you did, please leave us a five-star review on the app of your choice. Make sure you're following us on social media at Best Ever CRE. And I hope you all have a best ever day. Grant, thank you again for being here. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it, buddy. Had a blast. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.